All right. Woo. Okay, I have some extra pencils, extra pencils and pens here. If you do not have one, that budget sheet is there, but you would want something to write with. Ask a neighbor if you don't have something there or you need that. Welcome to Pulse. I'm excited to have you guys all here. Wow, yeah, you guys look all studious and ready. This feels like a conference right now. This is, and Pete Benson, uh, the guy we have with us here today. Are you excited to have Pete Benson here with us? This guy, this guy deserves the conference. Pete Benson lives in Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, anyone, you got a musician contact if you ever want to get down to Nashville or that area down there, but works out of there. But Pete also is just in high demand. He has appointments tonight and tomorrow night with different churches speaking-wise. He's down at KV tonight. And so he's there constantly. He, he uh, runs a company. He's come through here. He's an alumnus alumni of here, alumni from here. And so he's got a lot of con contact of knowing Canada, knowing what it looks like to work up here, knowing what it looks like to go across the border, to uh, really have a heart for ministry and still work with money. So we're so excited to have him here with us today. Did you guys also enjoy Commotion on Sunday? Was that, was that a fun time? Really, I, I know it's not the email, but thank you to the band and everyone that set up early for that as well. Uh, really focused in today. It is going to be one of those days where there will be some hands-on with the budget, but you also, um, he's, he's a really engaging guy, and we have a lot going on there. Uh, so you, you, you won't be disappointed with focusing in there. I did want to do a, a minute long, I know that sometimes money, either you, who, who loves Excel sheets and money? Any, any of those in here? Oh yeah, we got some. Who's like, I, I, I tend to try and avoid money as much as possible. We got some of those in here too. Oh, we got a few more of those than the other. Well, to lighten up the mood before we really dig in fully, I, in our culture, you know, you, you hear a lot of opinions about money through music. So I put a little montage together of a few songs you might know regarding a little bit of music. So let's go ahead and play that for you. That's not it. <laughs> That's a different one. Wait for it. It's only a minute long. But I just thought you might appreciate this for one second, because you all have to run. Yes. Someone want to live in Beverly Hills, Hollywood? Living in Beverly Hills. This is like a little old school. Money, 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 money. Okay, we got that. So you know that right there? Those that want your musicals in there? Oh, people are done with this song. You got that. That's like 90s right there. If I was a rich girl. And for the sentimental set of heart. I just think it's funny. So concerned. With making my little Ben Rector to finish it off there. So, welcome. I'm excited. I'm excited for what we have to do with money here today. It's going to be something you won't be disappointed about. The more you engage, the more you won't be disappointed later on because we have a, 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 knock, a guy that will knock out of the park has so much to offer us. So please give it up for Pete Benson as we, he shares with us today. One hundred and three years ago next month, they finally finished the greatest ship on earth. It was a luxury liner that had taken years to build and it was an unsinkable ship. Anyone know the name? The Titanic started out on its maiden voyage with Edward J. Smith, one of the greatest sea captains of all time. In fact, this was going to be his last retirement journey 
And then he was going to become, come back to his country and be knighted and enjoy a great retirement. Four days into that journey, that unsinkable ship hit an iceberg. It broke apart. 1,500 people's lives were lost that night out of 2,200. One of them was Edward J. Smith, the sea captain. So who's to blame? Is it the architects, the, the shipbuilders? Was it the captain? Was it the first mate? Who in the world is responsible for all that? Well, there's another ship that's sinking right now. Some of you are Canadian, some of you are American, but I've lived in the States the last 25 years, and the ship that I'm a part of right now in the United States is $18 trillion in debt. If you count unfunded liabilities, that are, those are things that they have actually said that they are going to be responsible for, but they don't have the money for. Some calculate that to be over $150 trillion. Let me tell you about another sea captain. His name was James W. Benson. He was my dad on Grand Manan Island. He was one of the best sea captains on the whole island. He's a man that I look up to and model, but I wasn't very good on the sea, so uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to uh, follow that route because I, I got seasick, so I had to go another journey. But guess what? I ended up being a ship captain. I am the captain of my financial ship in the Benson household, along with my uh, first mate, Ginny. What's your name? Michaela, what do you study in here? Christian school education. Great. You are a ship captain. You are the captain of your financial ship. So, Michaela, for getting your name right, here's a book autographed by yours truly. Money Enough for Life. You now have it. Hold it. You now have it in your hand. She's got it. Everybody make friends with Michaela. She now has Money Enough for Life right in her hands. So, we're all responsible for our financial ship through the rest of our lives. I'm not looking at a bunch of kids today. I'm looking at young adults. I'm looking at people who are responsible that are adults. All those, uh, you know, kid days, even though we're going to have some fun, they're behind you. Now you're an adult. Now we've got to put our big boy pants on and we've got to really do life. Now, I want you to try a little exercise with me. Everyone together, on the count of three, I want you to hold your breath. Okay, are you ready? One, two, three. Some people lasted a long time. Keep going. Who's still holding it? Put your hand up. Oh, quite a few of you. Keep going. You're doing good. Don't anyone pass out. It's not worth that. Some of you are starting to feel it. Did somebody pass out? Okay, everyone can stop now. Did did you really start to did you really start to crave oxygen? Did you? How about you? Yep. Ivan, 
Zig Ziglar said, "Oxygen, I mean, money is not the most important thing in life, but it's very close to oxygen on I've got to have it scale. Okay? So as you breathe in and out today, we can't live without oxygen. Let me tell you something. From this day forward till the day that you die, if it's at age 30, 60, 90, over 100 years old, you're going to need money for the rest of your life. You're going to need this stuff. That's funny money. And this stuff, this plastic stuff that I can't even fold up in my, put it in my pants here, pocket. But you, you need that for the rest of your life. Let me tell you something that you need to write down and you can't forget this right here. I'm going to start right off with it right at the very beginning. Knowing how to handle money is not a choice. Having oxygen is not a choice. Eating food or drinking liquid to get by in life, I mean, you can go a few days, but it's not a choice. You're here today, you can choose whether to like classical music, you can choose whether you like sports, you can choose whether you like certain t-shirts, whether you like certain haircuts, you can make lots of choices in life. Let me tell you one choice that you have no choice about, and that is knowing how to handle money. So whether you like it or don't like it, I wasn't born knowing how to handle money. Ivan and uh, all the people that are associated with this university, it's not just something you just like happen to be talented enough to, to know. You have to learn it. I learned it. Say to your neighbor right now, turn to them and say, I will learn it. Say it. Are you going to know how to handle money? Yes, I am. Did you say to him, I'm, I will learn how to handle money? I did. What's your name? John, John, you just have money enough for life right in your hand, buddy. You learned it. Okay, now let me tell you a story. Okay, let me tell you a story. Okay, we're going to get real serious now. Okay, this is not about me giving my testimony today and telling all, all of that, but I made some very bad choices when I was a teenager, and I ended up having a child with my girlfriend when we were in between 11th and 12th grade. That's young. You're not an adult at that age. You're just a child. We ended up getting married, finished 12th grade in high school, lived with her parents. When other people came home from school and uh, were done at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and went to play with their friends, I went to work because I had made some very bad choices. But I made a very good choice. My wife, Jenny, and myself, who have now been married for 38 years, um, uh, God can do amazing miracles. Do you know that? He did an amazing miracle, and we got through 12th grade, and here we were, 18-year-old, 
kids who are parents with little Ginger Joe in tow. And after high school, uh, we loaded up a used, borrowed pickup truck, okay? And put a, a few pieces of furniture that we didn't have money to buy, but somebody gave to us and felt sorry. And we were going to come to Bethany Bible College. Never hardly had $400 to our name, didn't have any scholarships, didn't have a job. You'd say, didn't have a clue, and you'd just about be right. But here we came, up here, and uh, picked out a little um, apartment, and came to Bethany Bible College, no jobs. I had a wife and child to support and get through college, and didn't have a silver spoon in my mouth, and nobody was writing checks except me. And so God has a sense of humor, and I'll make this kind of short, because I kind of covered that last year. Um, just, just think about this. I'm not good at electronics, techie stuff, uh-uh, never have been. Cars, I know how to drive them and I like them, but I don't know anything about them. I'm very allergic to dust, and I never had to clean at home because I had three sisters and a mom who lived to clean. I mean, seriously, she was smiling the biggest smile of life if she could be ironing or sweeping the floor or whatever. That's what she lived for. So I, I got off. I didn't have to do any of that. So I come to Bethany Bible College and, well, we needed to feed, uh, I needed to feed myself and Ginny and Ginger and pay for college and get to college. So I started up and down the streets here and came upon the Met. Anyone know what the Metropolitan? They, don't have, they haven't had that for a thousand years, have they, Ivan? Uh, there was a little, it's like a Zeller's, right? Kind of. And so I went up and down every department and got a job in the electronics department. So I got a job, but people would come up and, and I'd say, so that was good. But, you know, I knew what it was going to take to have an apartment and to feed our family and to take care of all the things that I had to and get into school. And you had to actually pay some bills or they'd kick you out. So I had to take care of all those things. So one job was good, but that was just a good start. So then I went looking around a little bit harder, and I found that out here on the highway heading to Moncton, at that point it used to be like a, an SO station, and I, I, I forget what it was, Ron's or something like this, SO. And so I could get a job pumping gas, checking oil, tire pressure, cleaning windshields. It was a service station where you actually served the people that came in and all that in addition to gas. So I got a job there, tallied up how much income that was going to give me, and we weren't even close yet. So then I came to the school here and begged for some kind of a job that I could do to help pay off some of my school, and I ended up down there in the old chapel vacuuming the floors, cleaning out the commodes, the urinals, and all that stuff. So that, that was another job that I had. But you know what my favorite job was, because you could make really good money, is down out here they used to have a pulp and paper mill. Do they still have that mill out here? Okay, so um, they used to bring some of us students out there from 12 o'clock midnight until 4 in the morning. They had two shifts that actually worked most of the time, but the sawdust would be all over the machines and everything. And so they, during the period that they weren't working, they had to have people come in and very quickly... Uh, I mean, we'd, we'd go in there at midnight, and these machines were covered in all this sawdust and that, 
And so five or six of us guys from Bethany Bible College go out there, and we had to sweep all that stuff down, vacuum it up, and get it all ready. So the next morning when they got there at 6 o'clock in the morning, everything was ready to go. But they paid us really well. It wasn't really good for my allergies. So what have we got here so far? I'm not good at electronics. I don't know that much about cars. I'm not good at cleaning, and I'm allergic to dust. And I got a job doing every one of those things. But I needed money like you needed oxygen because I had a wife and a child and bills here to pay. And I knew how to work. I didn't sleep a whole lot. And I'm not here to tell the story of, you know, walking backwards 16 miles in the snow and bare feet and all that kind of stuff. But I, I tell you that story so that throughout this day while I'm here, I have a little bit of credibility. I've been where you're at. I know how hard it is. And I just happen to have a, a wife and a child to come along with me all four of those years. And... My wife worked, and I worked, and we did everything that we could, and even then the math didn't always work out exactly the way that it should. And I'm not saying this next statement to brag. It was God's blessing, I think, because I was obedient. Do you get that point? You understand that? Like the math, the, there still wasn't all the money that needed to be there, but I do feel, although I'm sure I tripped and fell and didn't do everything perfectly I know that I didn't, but God rewarded the fact that I was trying and I worked as hard as I could and did everything that I knew. And because of being willing to do those things that were really outside of my ability, God rewarded that. And the next year in the summer between, you know, when you get out in May or whenever it is, April, I forget when you get out around here and then go back in in September, God gave me some incredible jobs in the summer down on Graham and Ann working in the fishing industry that doors were open that were just incredible that people were lined up waiting for and I got chosen to do it and I had no experience and no responsibility when I look on back on that I'm just like that's God's faithfulness because I was faithful in the little things he gave me great reward and I was able to leave here four years later we were and we never, that I know of, missed a meal, although a lot of times it was a lot of water in a tomato soup heated back up again, but that's okay. We made it and got all the way through and never owed Bethany Bible College one single dollar the day that we, re the, the day that we left here. Now, let me tell you something that I believe. Wages have not increased to keep up with how much education costs have go gone up. I don't think I could do that today. What I pulled off then, I'm not sure that you can do. But I'm here to tell you that regardless of that, you have a choice in every day what you do with your time. And however that's getting paid with loans could probably be a lot less if you would choose to make some other decisions. So uh, I do believe that if I had it to do all over again, that I would have the ability and the opportunity to leave with very little that I would owe. Maybe not debt-free like I was there, and a few years later, 
a master's degree from another university and not owe anything from there. I've never carried, I don't even know how to fill out an application for a student loan. But I do understand that today, sometimes it is an absolutely, it is an absolute necessity. So I'm not here to make you feel bad that maybe you had to take out some of those kind of loans. I'm here to tell you that there's a choice in how much you take out. And many of you are taking the easy way out. And Jim Rohn, who was a mentor to Darren Hardy, who is the uh, owner of Success Magazine. He's also uh, a mentor to John Maxwell, and uh, he's passed away uh, a few years ago. But he said, you can either pay now and play later, or you can play now and pay later. Did you get that? You can either pay now, which I did. I paid a, a big price up front, but I got to play later because I got to do anything I wanted in life after because I didn't have one of these things wrapped around me when I come out of here tying me up and limiting what I was able to do for the rest of my life. And some of you, that's going to happen. That's going to happen to you, and it's, your, and it's your choice. You choose. And so you can either pay now and play later. In other words, pay the price now. There's choices that you make. And I still had a lot of fun in college. I still even got to play a little on the basketball team, and we got to go to sporting events and go to some hockey games and all that. But I chose to pay so that I could play for the rest of my life. Not that it's just been play, but you get the point. Or you can just play and say, I'm owed these four years. I'm, I've got to go out there, and I'm going to have all this responsibility. So we're not here for a second saying, don't have fun in college. We want you to, and you need to enjoy those days, but we are here to say that if you just play, there can be a lot of pay later. And just this week, I received an email from a person who lives not that far from here that, you know, I've been able to influence some and in some of the decisions and so on, and uh, over the last few years, and he told me a really cool story. A and he said that my wife and I, uh, or when we uh, got out of college, we had some debt, and we were married. And he said, before we had our first child, we took three years and did everything we possibly could do to wipe that debt out, all that college debt. And we did, and we're debt-free and then we had our first child. They've had two since then. But he's 31 years old, and she's 30. He's a school teacher, okay? I mean, you know, they do okay, but they ain't going to get wealthy and rich right off the bat. And she works in some kind of a uh, processing plant. And at 31 years old, he, 30 years she, they just burned their mortgage paid off they paid early they can play for the rest of their life because they owe no man not a thing at 31 and 30 years old that's a choice that they made you have that same choice 
Every day, we're all given the same amount of hours, choices, and so on. And I'm telling you that if we had a race right now and go down through town, you say, oh, yeah, but there's the, the Met's no longer here, and, and Ron's SO is no, and there, there's no jobs around here. I'm going to make you a guarantee. We leave this building, and with one hour, I bet I got a job. Okay? Doing something somewhere if you don't care what it is. Okay? I want you to do another exercise for me right now. Here's another exercise. Then I'm going to give uh, Miss Shelley some turn here to get up, and then we got a lot more things to say. But here's what I want you to do I want you all to stand real quick. And this is going to sound gross, but I want you to get some good spittle in your mouth, okay? All right. Get it good. Okay, hold it there. Everybody ready? Swallow. Ah. Okay, everyone sit down. What's your name? Zach. Zach. I think I saw you here last time I was here, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. Zach just swallowed his pride. <laughs> so did y'all. Y'all, is that okay in Nashville? Y'all did too, okay? What we have to do, folks, we got to swallow our pride. But that, that job, that job's beneath me. You know what buddy that emailed me and said he was debt-free did after he got home um, from his main job? Delivered pizzas. After he finished his first job at 4.30 in the afternoon, delivered pizzas from, nine, from 5 until 9.30 at night. That, that's not what he went to school for. He's a school teacher, you know, looked up in the community and... And, you know, people have this idea about what he's supposed to be. And so he finishes teaching the kids at school and gets home at 4.30, and he's got 30 minutes to change his clothes, to put his pizza hat on or whatever, pizza delight or whatever, and go deliver pizzas. But he's a happy camper today. He's 31. His wife is 30. They don't know any man anything on earth. You know what? At 31 years old, you probably still have 40 to 50 good years left in you if life expectancy, and he can do anything he wants. There's no chain around him at all. He's free. They're free. They've got a lot of life left because they paid the price early, and he was willing to swallow his pride. You got to swallow your pride. It's worth it because you'll end up free, and other people will we'll still be all wound up. Zach, you now have money enough for life. Make friends with Zach, okay, too, because he's got money enough for life in his hands. Um, and so we just wanted to kick off today uh, just to motivate you. Let me tell you something, and, and here's something else you can write down, then Shelly's going to come up. Being good with money is more about discipline than it is about dollars. You got it? Write it down. It's more about discipline than it is about dollars.
This is a choice. This is a discipline. If you want to work out and be fit like Dr. Dave Smith back there, y'all see he's kind of ripped. Huh? That doesn't just happen. It's a discipline. You make a choice and then you, you say goodbye to, to sleep in that nice soft bed and you get up early in the morning and you go to the gym and you start working out. It's a discipline. You don't, people aren't just born certain ways, you know, being, having a certain fitness level or, or uh, being debt free. It's a choice. It's a discipline. And you have that choice. Everyone here has the same choice to make. It's not about dollars. It's about discipline. And you can say, well, I've never been good at that. Then you get good at it. If you're not good at swallowing or you're not good at eating food and you, there's no food that you like to stay alive, you learn to eat. You learn to tolerate certain things. And if I was standing here and this was Harvard University and you were going to leave from here and be almost guaranteed a job making $150,000 a year in your first job, I'm not saying they wouldn't need this talk today, but maybe not quite as much. But not only is it not a choice, but you've chosen to come to a university where if you go into careers that are ministry-oriented, it's probably not going to start out at $150,000 a year. It might be $15,000 a year, maybe thirty, dollars maybe twenty-five, dollars maybe forty. dollars but it isn't going to be 150. And so you, you are not choosing careers that are big money careers. So again, it even in a bigger way makes it more important. So again, in class, there are certain things that if you sit down with your counselor, they will say, these are essential and these are what? If it's a choice, it's another E word. What is it? Electives. What's your name right here? What is it? Carolina. Carolina. Good old man. That's close to Tennessee. Is that where you're from? No. Carolina. You now have money enough for life because she got that right. See, there are essentials in life and then there are electives. Knowing how to use money and what to do with it, budgeting, which Shelly's going to talk about, and getting out of debt, and, and living within your means, and tracking your, uh, your expenses and that. That is not an elective. Scratch that out as an elective. That is an essential. You have no choice. So, you know, there's bitter pills in life that you've got to swallow. If this is one to you, then make up your mind. You better do it now, because for the rest of your life, you're going to be dealing with this. Shelly, come on up here. Uh, you... Oh, we're going to watch uh, AJ. Okay, we're going to watch AJ. Then Shelly. AJ Plazier. I'm the pastor of Corbett Avenue Wesleyan Church. I graduated from Kingswood University nine years ago, uh, which seems hard to believe. Proud of my time there, proud of graduating. But the thing I think I'm the most proud about is I put my student loan. Kingswood University nine years ago, uh, which seems hard to believe. Proud of my time there, proud of graduating. But the thing I think I'm the most proud about is I put myself through school, myself and Canada Student Loans. When I graduated, I was proud to only have $20,000 of, of debt. 
And so after graduation, I got myself on a payment plan to pay it back at $250 a month uh, for a youth pastor that was significant. And I started paying it back. After seven and a half years, I'd only paid back nine and a half thousand dollars, which meant I still owed ten and a half thousand, which meant I still owed about another eight to nine years at that rate. That was not okay. Uh, that scared me. I found out that my interest rate was a dollar thirteen a day, and so uh, I just did whatever I had to do to get out of that debt as fast as I could. I wish when I was a college student that somebody would have pulled me aside and really made me realize the impact of every financial decision I was making as a student. While I wasn't excessively foolish with my money, I wasn't realizing that every decision I made as a student, that I would pay for that for the next 10 to 15 years. And so I wish I would have gotten uh, radically aggressive with my debt. I wish I would have sacrificed and sucked it up for four years to reap the benefits of it for the next 10 to 15. I wish somebody would have pulled me aside and really made me chew on that and think that through. So here's my advice to, the, to any college student, especially Bible college students. I have two thoughts for you. The first one is, ministry won't make you rich. Uh, when you inherit a lot of debt, uh, in ministry especially, it is going to be incredibly difficult to pay that off. So knowing you're going into ministry, do whatever you have to do to keep your debt as low as possible. You will, you will be thankful for that later. The second thing I would say is that the more debt you have, it hinders your generosity and your freedom. People who are buried in debt cannot be as generous. It's just financially not doable. So the greater debt you have, the less generous you can be when God gives you opportunities. But the other part is that it hinders your freedom. I would never want to take a church or pass on a church based on the paycheck or the salary. And I fear that some people are drowning in so much debt, it will hinder where they serve the Lord. So I would strongly encourage you to think through every financial decision you're making now. Sacrifice as much as you have to do to set yourself up for what house you'll live in, the car you'll drive, having kids or not having kids, where you get married, where you go after you're married. It all starts while you're in college. So I would say be wise now. In the future, you will thank yourself. Thanks. This is on. Kurt, can you hear me? There we go. <laughs> Does anybody know the definition of a loan shark? Can anybody tell me what they think a loan shark is? A loan shark back in, in the Godfather movie days was somebody who would loan you money at a ridiculous amount of interest and expect that back paid back within a certain length of time. And if, if you didn't have that paid back by that time, they would maybe come to your house and break your leg or maybe tie a chain around you like Pete had and uh, put your feet in cement blocks, tie the chain around you and drown you in the river. I, I tell you, this is in movies, and there are loan sharks. Uh, today, in my opinion, a loan shark is using your credit card for wants, not emergencies, 
at 19.99%, using your student line of credit to make your minimum student line of credit payment. That's what I consider a loan shark for you guys, not having somebody break your legs or throw you in the river. Uh, does anybody here know what prime rate is? Prime lending rate? Prime lending rate is a rate set by the banks in Canada and the US and that determines what your interest rate will be when you pay back a loan or pay back a credit card. Right now prime rate is 3%. It is one of the lowest it's ever been in the history of the Bank of Canada. So that's good news for you to simplify things. Uh, if some of you were to graduate this year and start repaying your student loan, you're going to get a really decent interest rate. Uh, for any of you who really want to know more banking terms, I mean, I could stand here and rattle off amortization, fixed rate, variable rate, floating rate. I could rattle off terms and they may just go right over your head. You, are, you have the advantage of the internet and being able to Google basic banking terms to equip yourself, to teach yourself, to learn about money, as, as Peta said. When I first got married at age 20, I had never even written a check before. I, I couldn't believe I'd never written a check. But I learned when at age 24, I had two babies, and my husband and his brothers decided to start a business, a construction company, and went to work seven days a week in the first few years to establish a customer base and to earn money. Uh, my husband, who had been the captain of our financial ship, didn't have time for that anymore. So I wasn't even a first mate at that point. I was, I was a deckhand. I had just written my first check. <laughs> and I had to learn. There, there was no choice. He wasn't even, this wasn't even cell phone days. He didn't even have access to a telephone most days on his job. So all of a sudden it became my job to use the old-fashioned phone book and, and find insurance companies to start maybe pricing our vehicle insurance. That became my job. Uh, it wasn't hard. I, you know, I could look up insurance companies and, and start calling them and saying, we have a truck and this is the year. And how much would your insurance cost? You know, that was the first thing I learned how to do. And then he'd come home at whatever time of night, sometimes after the kids were in bed, and we'd sit and talk about well, okay, they quoted this amount, they quoted this amount, what do you think is the best thing to do? The next day I would phone back. Then all of a sudden I became captain of the bank account and the fees coming out of that account. And again, it meant maybe using the telephone to find out information or going into the bank. You know, they will allow you to take your kids into the bank. <laughs> <laughs> and sit down with somebody and talk about these things. And that's how I learned. They had pamphlets as opposed to looking up things online banking. They'd, they'd have pamphlets to teach you about rates and 
fees and different things, I would take home the pamphlets and read them. I learned I really had no choice, just like some of you won't have any choice when you leave here because maybe your parents have helped you thus far, maybe handle things for you, but there is going to come a time that, that you'll have to learn, and you can do that. Believe me, you can. Now, some, some of you uh, have different personalities when it comes to money, like Pete had said. Some of you are scared, so therefore you just throw your hands up in the air and, and you say, money terrifies me. I, I, I'm just, I can't do it. Other people are keen to learn. They come to my office. They ask me about interest rates and paying back student loan and how can I do it sooner and how can I save for this. There's different personalities, but that doesn't mean you can't learn. Whether your personality is fearful or keen and knowledgeable, uh, you have to have goals. And, and Pete talked about choices. You have to have goals financial goals. How long am I going to have this chain wrapped around me? Is it going to be 10 years so that when I'm 30 or 32, I can be debt free? Are you not going to worry about this chain at all? And are you going to say, you know what, God will look after me. That That's okay. I'll just make the minimum payments and just ride it out and and God's going to take care of it. Well, God honors obedience like Pete said, finding a job, no matter what that job, putting that money toward your school bill or your savings account, that's obedience. Asking God to honor your obedience. Really, if you really want to be obedient, I've said it before, do you really need a cell phone? Can you do without a cell phone? What can you do without to be obedient? Basically, again, going back to the personality, pay now, play later, you have wants and you have needs. And are you going to play now and look after those wants with your student loan money? Or are you going to pay now and set those goals and discipline yourself? And you might say, oh, yeah, that all sounds good for you guys. You've been there. You've been taught. You've done that. Well, there's all kinds of goals, if you think about it, that some of you have set for yourselves. might not be money-related. I'm going to pick on JJ because I, I know that this has been published in print by his dad who wrote in his blog about JJ wanting to be on the school hockey team. He wanted to be on the team so bad but he had to learn how to skate backwards. So what did he do? Every noon hour he could, he went to the rink to try to learn how to skate backwards. He'd go to little patch of ice here at the back of the student center at night and try to skate backwards. He knew that if he didn't learn, he couldn't make the team, and he really wanted to play hockey while he was here in Canada. JJ, did you attain that goal? You did. Squeaked by. Can you give him a book, please, Pete? Can you give him a book since he attained his goal? Thank you. See, I like giving out prizes, too. Pete's not the only one with freebies and swag. Well, I guess he is.
Uh, I've put before you a budget sheet, but first we're going to look at student loan calculator. I know that some of you have a ton of questions, and I can't cover every question that you have up here, but after lunch today, we're, we're going to have available to you some, some private one-on-one -on -one time with either myself, Ivan, or Pete. And I hope you know that I'm always available in my office. Sometimes you need to kind of let me know ahead what time you're coming so I can set that time aside. Other times you can just pop in and I'm available to answer your questions, to help you. I'm not just here to ask you when you're going to make your next payment. I'm here to help you. Some of you really want to hear what I can help you with and heed my advice. Some of you I know are having a hard time right now. I have sat in my office and prayed for some of you, cried for some of you. I've gone into Scott Rhino's office and have cried over some of you and gone home at night and done the same. I know that some of you have a huge burden, a chain. I know that some of you are so fearful that it's as though somebody's waiting for a loan shark to come and break your leg. I know that some of you have that. But you can all go forward. You can start setting goals. You can start being obedient, asking, the, asking one of us for some help, some advice, but asking the Lord to heed that obedience. Get anything you want to add, Pete, before I get into this calculator? No. Keep on going. This is where I could really scare some of you. Uh, I hope that some of you have a little bit of an idea of how much student loan money you owe. I, I'm fearful that some of you don't because you don't want to think about it, but you're going to have to face that and find out how much you owe and start paying it back. Now, with Canadian students, you can go to canlearn.ca, and that's where I got this calculator from. You also, if you haven't already, should create a login for yourself with canlearn.ca so that you can view your debt online and make payments and uh, equip yourself. They have all kinds of great tips on there of what you can do by paying back your student loan. FAFSA for U.S. students exact same thing. You need to go to the FAFSA website and you need to create a login so that you can keep track of how much you owe and make a plan for how you're going to pay that back. So I'm going to use an example today of $40,000. That's probably what some of you will owe when you leave here. Some of you will owe less. Some of you will owe more. But I'm going to use $40,000 just as an example. And I better click that I don't want my session to expire. There we go. So I've typed in $40,000 on the calculator. Here we get into fixed versus variable interest rates. Again, that's going to be a personality choice. If you're the type of person that wants to have the payment the same every month, you don't like change, you don't want to have to be fearful of your payment going up, Fixed rate is probably the way for you. 
variable or floating rate is more for the risk taker, the person who, you know, is is on top of their finances and you're on your online banking every day, you're checking your balance, you're you're keen for for everything to pay back your debt. Your payment will fluctuate if you choose a variable or floating rate. So if that doesn't bother you, if you're the person that can stay on top of that, if that's your personality, that may be the rate for you. But I'm going to stay safe and use fixed for this example. I've entered in the prime rate of 3%, like I had mentioned earlier. And right now, Canada Student Loan repayment is prime plus 5%, so 8%. Again, that's a good deal. There's probably some people during their time here, such as A.J. Plasier, that if Prime was 8%, he would have been paying 13% on his student loan, just as an example. So if we, uh, grace period option, meaning you're going to make uh, your payments starting six months after you graduate, because all of you, no matter what loan system you're in, you have to start paying it back six months after you graduate. So not taking advantage of the grace period means you're not gonna start paying till then. Select a number of months you need to repay your loan. 120 months is 12 years. Some of you may want to take the easier, shorter payment route and go 15 years. For now, we're gonna use 10 years as an example. So if you owe $40,000 and you take the fixed payment starting six months after you graduate, your monthly payment is going to be $485.31. Over 10 years, the interest alone, and again, this is a great interest rate, the interest alone is going to be $18,237.25. Therefore, you now owe on paper an amount of $58,237.25. And like AJ talked about, after, I uh, forget how many years it was, he still owed $20,000 because of the interest. So can anybody tell me how you can get rid of this student loan faster than 10 years and pay less interest? Kaya. Exactly. If you... Yes. That's right. So if you pay more than this minimum... And again, with, the, with all the, the great technology being online and logging into the systems, you can do that. You can pay more than that minimum. Get it gone faster. Pay less interest. Set those goals for yourself to make this happen. Does that show if they put $400 more a month on the principal? Can you count? Does that show what they would save in interest if they did that? I am going to reset the example with this Mac of Shane's. There we go. <laughs> I'm not a Mac girl. 
we're going to do, if you set a goal for yourself, of eight years, so 96 months, So now your payment's going to be $565 a month, so about $140 more, $130, $140. Now your interest is down to $14,284, and you'll have it paid off in eight years. So I encourage you to set that goal rate right away, to pay a lump sum in this six-month grace period and lower this right from the get-go, right as soon as you get out of the, the gate, start making some lump sum payments in your grace period. Can I tell them one little story? Yeah. This actually was, was online. No, you're good. This is exactly what this is. Uh, this is a student that uh, it said, this millennial paid off 23375 in student loans in just 10 months. And so it, it caught my attention, and I printed it off, I started to read it. Guess where he went to school? Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And this was like on some big internet site down in the States where everybody was looking at it, money.com or something like this. And this was a sister college student that left there with $23,375 in debt and left the college and in 10 months had it all paid off. What did he do? He decided to pay now, and now he's playing for the rest of his life because he moved back in with his parents, which he tells in this little story was a very difficult thing to do. Took a first job, took a second job, literally pared his budget down so that 80% of his income every single month was going to this. And I think he made between two jobs $31,000 the first year. 23,375 paid his debt off. 10 months, he's free for the rest of his life. This is exactly what, you know, if you make up your mind and you say, this is something I'm determined to do, you can do it. But guess what he had to do? He had to swallow his pride because he had to move back in with his parents, which he talks about. I'll do the sound effects. <laughs> and this is, seriously, this is a sister, um, you know, college where the costs are, are, you know, similar or more. And this was just a great example. So it shows what you're able to do. We're not here today to make you depressed. We are here to shake you up a little bit because this is real. When you sign your name to a contract to take money as a debt for college, think about it. If I'm going to get a loan or Shelly... For a home, they have to prove that we have a job, that we've had it for X amount, that we're, we're paying our, uh, you know, that, that, we, that income has been steady for 24 months. Uh, we then have to show that we have a very clean payment history, that we have a history of actually paying our bills, and then they're going to make us pay 10 or 20% down, so we're going to have to come out of pocket with real dollars, $10,000, $20,000, $30,000, whatever, to show them to put some money up front to get that loan. There's nothing like a student loan where, where they give you bukus of money, you have no job, 
There's no guarantee that you're going to get a job. You have no payment history. And you have no money, no skin to put into the game for them. And they're giving that. It's the riskiest loan on earth. And you're signing your name. When you take that money, that's not free money. That's anything but free money. When you say $18,000 in interest on a $40,000 loan, let me do the math for you. If it was um, $20,000 on $40,000, you're paying 150% on $100. So you're, you're paying $1.50 for every dollar that you owed. Congratulations. Isn't that a really cool thing? Now, I'm still glad there's student loans. And we're not saying for a second that it's wrong to take it. We are just help you to understand that Every time you do, you're obligating yourself for something in the future that you have no idea whether you're going to be able to pay um, or get a job or anything like that. So it's a very serious thing. This is, again, this isn't little, little boy school. This is big boy school and big girl school, and this is serious stuff. But all that said, we want you to be here. <laughs> we want you to go to college. We want you to get an education. It's just think about... Every month that goes by, every year that you're just taking that money that it could have impact on your life, as AJ says, for 10 or 20 years. So think about that and think about what can be done. Here's your example of what can be done if you really make up your mind. So I think I went to preaching. But it's okay. I preached Okay, take it, take it away again. I just had to kind of interject because that's a it's perfect okay. example um, of what can be done. I've talked to you before, I, some of you, that I've got three daughters. Uh, one has graduated from university. The other two are still studying. One daughter works at summer camp every summer. Uh, luckily, she's a frugal girl. She doesn't spend any money on herself, so she's been able to do that. The other daughter that's uh, studying for dental hygiene has a tuition bill of $36,000. The last two summers, she has worked two jobs, seven days a week. Did she like it? No. Was she tired? Yes. Did she save money? You want to believe it, because her father and I weren't going to pay for all that. Did she sometimes stumble and really need encouraged? Yes. But I would keep reminding her, it's going to be worth it, Ash. It's going to be worth it. You're going to get to go to school and learn dental hygiene, which she's doing right now. She's home on a break right now. What did she do yesterday? Worked. What is she going to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Work. She goes home Sunday. <laughs> she knows that it's worth it. I've told some of you that if you take a yardstick or whatever you call it nowadays, meter stick, yardstick, and you take those inches on that stick and that's your life, and then you take the amount of inches that's your time spent here getting your degree. It's just a few inches that you've got to suck it up, swallow your pride, do what it takes. Some of you have asked a lot of good questions, I know, to Pastor Brent. And I know some of you are keen on some answers, which, again, Ivan, Pete, and I would be happy to meet with some of you. I know you want to talk about income tax. I can tell you this as a general statement. If you're a Canadian student, yes, file for income tax. 
you may be eligible for a GST rebate, and I can tell you more about that. Seems funny that um, some people don't want to talk about debt, but by jumpins, if they're getting a GST check, they sure know when that's coming. Next Friday <laughs> is uh, GST time for anybody that didn't know. Uh, some of you want to maybe talk about gross income versus net income. You might want to talk about tithing, yes. I had asked uh, Ivan this tithing question yesterday. You know, do you tithe on your gross income? Do you tithe on your net income? Yes. Some of you want to talk about budgeting, and I've provided this find more money budget sheet. Some of you may have enough income right now that you can create a budget. Some of you have no income, yet there's still these payments. That is, that, that is scary, but it's definitely doable because who's going to actually take Pete up on his offer and try to find a job an hour after we leave here? It can be done. Jordan got a job at Esso. I know that uh, Alicia got, Alyssa got a job at Canadian Tire. I know that there are jobs here. I know that there's people on staff here that would love to have somebody clean their home for them for pay or do some shoveling. There is ways to make money. You, you can find it if you set that goal for yourself. So this find more money sheet is something you're going to get time to work on, I believe, after or during the break. Um, this is life. Like Pete said, this is going to happen. You're going to have bills if you don't already. You're going to have health care expenses, dental expenses. You could call that an emergency maybe, like a toothache, but I call it life. You're going to have a toothache someday. Uh, and then there's, there's wants, there's entertainment. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but maybe you're not going to get to go to the movies and pay for that for a little while. I know there are other ways to get movie coupons, and, and the banks offer ways to, to go to a free movie, but you just might not get to do that for a little while. You might not be able to put anything in that entertainment line. Dining out. To me personally, I don't like to dine out because it's a lot of money. Sometimes I'll go dine out and come home and regret the money that I spent. That's just my personality. Do I like jewelry? Yes. Do I sometimes save a specific amount of money to buy some jewelry? Yes. But that's me. So I, I give up other things for that. I, I don't dine out. I don't go to movies unless I have a free ticket. Uh, so some of you have asked about a salary. What can you expect for a salary when you leave here? Well, there's going to be all kinds of scenarios. There's going to be some of you who are church planters that may work at Walmart. And there's nothing wrong with swallowing that pride in working at Walmart. If you know you're called to be a church planter, then that's what the Lord has for you. Maybe some of you are going to be a senior pastor right away at a small church. Or maybe some of you are going to be an associate pastor on staff at a large church. There's going to be different scenarios for every one of you as far as income goes. And I encourage you, 
again, to learn about that. If you have interviews at churches or global partners or what have you, and they offer you a salary package and you don't understand it, then ask them questions. Ask them, does this include housing? Does this include life insurance? What does this include? Those are things that, that some experts can help you with. You could teach yourself online. You could go talk to a financial planner and ask some of these questions. They'd be happy to answer them for you and help you. So I just picked, again, as an example, a number of $500 a week as take-home money. Take-home money means net, not gross. Take-home money may include housing. It may include mileage, or those things could be over and above your take-home money. Again, that could be a different scenario for each one of you. So on this worksheet, I'd like you to use my example of $500 take home a week, so $2,000 a month, and list what do you have to pay out of that. First, you have to pay your tithe, and I apologize that tithe isn't on here. You could put it as miscellaneous on the bottom, even though tithing is not miscellaneous. It is a must. Second thing that's a must, savings. You have to have some savings. Good general rule of thumb 10% tithe, 10% savings, because you need to have emergency money. Your car, it's going to break down. doesn't matter if it's brand new or if it's used. It's going to break down, and you may need to, to buy parts. I should say you will need to buy parts. You will need to maintain your car. Tires, brakes, oil changes. That's all in these expenses. Uh, some of you are going to think, what? $500 a week? And you're telling me I have to pay at least $500 a month student loan, depending on how much I owe, and my cell phone bill is $80, and I have to buy groceries, and I have to pay for this? Well, yeah, we do kind of want to shock you a little bit today. This is what it's going to be. You're going to have to make do with what you have, and in some situations, you're going to have to make do with less. But just remember, set your goals, stick to your goals, learn how to skate backwards. Awesome. We're going to take about uh, a five to ten minute break. You stand up and stretch. You do have the budget, and she, you can go off the finances she gave you if you want to continue on with that and just start filling that out there with a, a seller that will look like, and then we'll come back in and Pete will hit it home for us. So this is a quick break for you guys, five, ten minutes. We're heading back to our seats. Finishing up conversations, heading back to our seats. All right. He's got, Pete's got about 25 minutes, a half an hour, and he literally can do like an eight-hour session on this stuff, okay? So he's trying to pack what he can fit into like seven hours now into about 30 minutes. So... Hone in, focus in strong, and uh, write down vigorous notes because it'll all be worth it from here on out. All right. And if there's, sorry, if there's any questions, if you have any questions, you're like, I really want to know this, we'll have about 15 minutes of Q&A at the end. So if there's any questions specifically, write them down.
Okay, so sometimes no matter how hard you try and everything, you're trying to add up the numbers and things just don't fit. If you've ever felt that way, that there's uh, not enough uh, money at the end of the month and there's too much uh, month at the end of the money and all these kind of things, you get all, you know, flustered. Uh, I got a little video to lighten it up, only take a minute or so to watch, but it kind of shows you all that. So this kind of capsulizes it. So watch this video. Here we go. Jane. Jane's the man. Here we go. All right. Uh Uh-oh. He's not singing, is he? I figure 75% to you, Pan Ma. And 25% divided between the five of us. Gida, Crowbar, myself, Tom, and the baby. That makes 5% for each one of us. Ah, 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 Billy, you're cheating yourself. If there's 25% divided among the five of you, that's 14% apiece. Oh, no, listen, Pa. I, I wouldn't cheat you. You know I wouldn't. Now, look. Look here. I'll show you. Let me rub this out here. And now, 25 Divided by five is five. You see, five won't go into two, will it? No. But five goes into 25 five times, you see? No, you're wrong, Billy. Now, now, I'm pretty good mathematician. Now, five into 25, five won't go into two, will it? No. But five goes into five once. Now, we didn't use the two before, so we bring it down here. Now, 5 into 20 goes four times. There you are. 5 into 25, 14. No, look, Pop. Let me prove it to you now by multiplication. Uh, 5 times 5. 5 times 5 is 25. Really? I'm surprised you're learning. Huh? I'm surprised that you're learning. Now I'll show you. 5 times 14 is 25. Five times four is twenty. Five times one is five. Twenty-five. <laughs> That's it. No, no. Look, Ma. Look, you're wrong there because I'll prove it to you. We'll put down four, five fourteens here. Fourteen, fourteen, fourteen. There. Now, now I'll prove to you by addition that that five fourteens is not twenty-five. Four, eight. 12, 16, 20, 21, Wait. 22, 23, 24, 25. There you are. <laughs> I had a brush up, Billy. I don't want to see you boys cheated. Ah, don't you love it? <clears throat> yeah. That's good. So, <clears throat> here's the thing. You taking notes? Not only do you need a budget, but do you know what a budget is? If all you do is just write it down and say, this is my budget, it's a useless piece of paper and you just wasted 30 minutes of your life. Because how do you know if it's your budget if you don't what? Track it. That's it. You got to use it. So this is not going to be the most exciting news that you'll hear all day long, but Back to the essentials again. You have to track. Where did you get my phone out of here? Let's see. 
<clears throat> because y'all, you got these coin things now. Um, what do you call them? Looney? To, that Looney? Okay. It's not a very good prop, so I have to use the American dollar. But <clears throat> here's the thing. You only get to use this one time in your life. If it comes into your hands, once, once you use it for something, that dollar is gone forever. Now, you can go work and somehow get a new dollar, but that one is gone. And where do you, how do you know where they all go? So here's the bad news. For the rest of your life, you need to track every single dollar that comes into your household, your life. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. It, it, it's not a choice. But it takes time. Then you have to make the time. You find the time. You have to create the budget, but then that budget might have to be adapted because of reality. Well, I put this much down for food. Okay, so if you put $400 down for food in a month, and you go to Kroger, we have Kroger. What do you all have around here? What's a grocery store? Superstore. Yeah, Superstore. And you add up all those receipts at the end of the month, and it's 560 What use is that budget to you? You've got to track it. So today, um, with iPhones and, and you know all the computerized jazz, there, there's all kinds of tracking mechanisms. One is mint.com. But all you have to do is Google, you know, tracking mechanism for budgets or how do I track my, my money? I mean, there'll be like 50,000 things come up. Just find one that you like. It's not a matter of, well, that one's not very good. This one's rated higher. While some people are arguing over what one's rated, the other person is actually tracking it, okay? It doesn't matter what works. If what works for you is to go down to the superstore and get one of those little things. It's about the size of this cell phone, and, and instead of being a cell phone, it's a little cheaper than a cell phone. It's one of these little wire-bound little tablet thing. You know what I mean? Put that on there and, and put the month, okay, April, next month, and every day is a page. April 1st, flip the page, two, three. So when one of the classes is boring, you know, this next week, just kind of take that to class. They, they think you're taking notes and just fill out the next three months, April, May, June. You've done something really worthwhile. Um, there's no professors, not many here, right? But seriously, that will be one of the most important exercises of your life. So every single day that you spend money, you write it down. I, I went to Tim's and I spent $2.49. You write it down. 3rd of April, spent $2.39.49, whatever it is. See, a budget is very, very important, but tracking it is the ultimate. That's everything. I, I mean, to, to, to show up here tomorrow, we send you all home. Everyone show up tomorrow. We're going to give you $1,000 off of each of yours bill for the semester if you show up with your budget and you come up with this thing all written out, it's not worth 50 cents, let alone $1,000, because we don't know if it's real or not. And so what I recommend is, and that budget and what she gave you is great. You need that, absolutely need it. 
But what you need to do is write down over to the left, income first, and get all your income sources and, and get the fixed income if you know you're getting a certain amount all the time, and then the things that fluctuate and put that in a different category. And so you've got to, you can't just create a budget out of some random number in the air. You have to know how much income is coming in, then you know how much you have to budget. But that budget she gave you is great. It, it gives a lot of the categories, but you've got to create your categories, and there's always the, the needs and the wants, the things that are fixed and the things that are not fixed. And if the math still doesn't add up, guess what? You've got to change some of those things. You may have to move to a smaller place. That fixed expense for rent, it's, it's too much. It's not going to work. So just like the fuzzy math up on there, this is real stuff. You've got to know what it is, and you've got to track it, and that's part of coming into adulthood. You've got to do that for the rest of your life. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's say that, what's your name again? Shane. Shane, Shane here was so fortunate that I had all this money and I came up and I said, Shane, instead of earning money every year for the rest of your life, this is my money, but I know that you've got to exist in life, and so I'm going to entrust you right up front with all the money you're going to need for the next 60 plus years, 70 years. So here's $3 million, and it's my money but you can use every bit of it. You've just got to really be careful. And at any time, I can come back and I can say, um, you know, how are you doing in this category? And, how, you know, how much money is left now after one year, two years, three years, or whatever? And I'm going to make sure. And if you're doing a good job, you get to keep all that. But if you're not being responsible, I'm going to take it back. How many of you think that Shane is going to have everything tracked out to the penny all the time. Raise your hand if you think Shane is going to track everything perfectly because I just gave him $3 million. And he gets to get... Shane does. We'll get, I'll get you a book later. Did I already give you a book? No, Shane's going to get a book. So, <clears throat> so here's the thing. Let's just figure this thing out. Um, I don't know what all of you are going to do or make or anything in life, but let's just say that you get to live and, you know, if you live, you've got to spend, have money, income, and you've got to spend it for the next 60 years. And your average income per year was $50,000, okay? 60 years, $50,000. How much money is that at the end of 60 years? You get money enough for life if you can figure that out. $50,000 times 60 years. 50 times 60. Help her out. What's your name? Tanya. Tanya, I put you on. That's the hardest question of all. What is it? Help Tanya. No, no. 50,000 times 60 years. You need that book, Money Enough for Life. How much is it? $3 million. So you may not start out from college your first year making $50,000.
But chances are over a 60-year period, do you know how much income begins to go up over a 60-year period? There is a very good chance that even in ministry, you're going to bring into your fold just from you. If you're married and there's income on the other side, then it could be a lot more than that. But just from you, it is very realistic that you are going to be entrusted by God with $3 million. $3 million. Whether that's giving to you a little bit by bit so much a week for those 60 years, or whether it was given to you all at once, you think, hey, if that was given to Shane all at once, man, he better be buttoned up. He's got to learn this stuff. He's going to be all night till three. He's going to be pulling an all-nighter tonight going to every website that he knows about money to make sure that he does a good job so he gets to keep that, right? Well, y'all ever read the Bible? Anyone here ever read? Do you know how to read? Okay, he knows how to read. (laughs) Read the Bible. It tells about a man who was going on a journey, and he entrusted talents, which actually happened to be money, to two or three fellows, right? And what did it say? It said that he entrusted his talents to them. It still belonged to the owner of the talents, but he entrusted them to these servants. You see, everything we own ever in life, back to these dollars, anyone here a Christian? Quite a few, I hope. Every hand should hopefully go up. Um. Every dollar that you get coming in, including the money that they give you for those loans, who's it belong to? Come on now, help me out. This theology class. If you're a Christian and you earn money, who does that belong to? God. Every penny. So if God says to you, so that you can sustain yourself and have a place to live and to eat and, you know, car to drive or an iPhone or whatever, you know, God wants you to have, he entrusts this money unto you, what does that make you? Okay, if one's the owner, what are you if it's not really yours? A steward, what's your name? She doesn't know her name. What's her name? Olivia. Olivia's going to get... A memory test and a book. <laughs> we love you, Olivia. So, <clears throat> so here's, the, here's this cool thing. God says that for the rest of your life, I'm going to give you the ability to produce wealth. That's getting income. And it's really going to be mine. And I'm going to entrust it to you. You're going to be a steward or a manager of that for the rest of your life. And someday... I mean, just go back. It's in that book there. They call the Bible. It's a story there. And it says that one day those stewards are going to give account. You know, if it's about money, what do you think they're going to give account about? What do you think they're going to have to talk to God about, the owner? They're going to have to talk about every penny, Shane, that went into, that they used for whatever purpose. It's okay. I read it somewhere in there. God's okay if we have fun, okay? It doesn't just all have to go to bills. It's okay to have fun. He, I, 
He's okay with that. But seriously, think about it in the fact that you're being entrusted this money, and if it really were God that came up and was the owner, not me, Shane, because, you know, you're bigger than I am. I'm just a little guy, but you're scared of God, you know. He's, he's big, and he, he can take you out of this world, you know. And so, um, and, and you want to make sure that you don't not get the use of that money for the rest of your life because there it is, and you want to make sure you keep it. How dedicated do you think you're going to be at really being buttoned up to have a budget and to keep track? Very. Anyone think that he'll be very buttoned up? Well, that's your situation. That's your life. That's your lot. You have no choice. That's what it's all about. You get to decide whether money you're going to use you or you're going to use money. Because, see, all this is, it's just a means to an end. It's never the end. I could talk forever about what the end is, but this is just, you just use it. You don't fall in love with it, but you need it. And let me tell you something else. It's not a sin or wrong to want more. It isn't. John Wesley, you ever heard of the Wesleyan church? John Wesley said in his financial plan, it was wrapped up in three sentences. I want to earn all I can. John Wesley loves money. He must. He wanted to earn all this money. You know what? I want to earn all I can too. I want to earn more next year than I made this year. I do. I make no apologies for that. Because I got a list this long of things that I could do with that money that are good causes and things. So I want to earn as much as I can. Then does anyone know the second part of that? So that I can save all I can. Now, did he mean that he wanted to build these big barns and hoard all this money in there? Is that what he meant by he wants to save all he can? No, he wanted to just spend as much as he needed so that then there was leftover in his savings so that he could do what? You said it. Give all he can. I want to earn all I can so I can save all I can so I can... Give all I can. If he, there's nothing wrong with wanting to earn money. Nothing wrong at all. I, I mean, it's falling in love with that money is the problem. But do you know that some of the wealthiest people on earth are not at all in love with their money? Some are, but some aren't. And some of the poorest people on earth are very much in love with their money. Has nothing at all. Just like tithing has nothing at all to do with money, Neither is the love of money have anything to do with how much or little you have. Some of the people that have the least, they're the people who rob from other people because they want what they have. And so they loved what they wanted so much they were willing to kill for it, rob for it, or whatever. So you got to understand we need a budget. We got to track it. This is a lifestyle. This is part of what you signed up for when you decided that you wanted to be here on planet Earth, okay? And stay here for a while, you signed up for that. When you went to college, you took a, on adulthood and decided you wanted to be responsible, this is your lot in life. You either accept it or you're going down, okay? So, let's talk about debt for a minute. I've only got a few minutes left. 
The Bible doesn't say that debt is a sin, but it really looks dimly on it. In other words, you don't see that much favorable about it. And there's all kinds of, if you had 10 different financial advisors up here, you'd get 10 different answers on, you know, whether you should have any debt or not have any debt or anything like that. But uh, my philosophy, which might be right or wrong, is that if you are going to have any debt, it should be on something that has the ability to appreciate in value. Do you know what appreciate means? Grow, larger, depreciate. What does that mean? Shrink, yes. Come and get a book afterwards. Uh, so, um, you want to. So, even though it's not guaranteed, most people have to have a mortgage on their house. Now, the sooner you can get that paid off, that's a good thing. But that does have the ability to, over a 10 or 20 or 30 year period, to appreciate in value. So, you pay $100,000 for it, it might be worth $200,000. Again, not guaranteed, but that is something. But and a college education, that's not guaranteed to provide value to you because, unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there with a college education that don't have a job. So that's not a guarantee, but you could make a case for the fact that you're investing in something that then gives the ability to make more money because of that and so on. So th there's a case for it. It kind of sits on the fence. I I'm not sure yet. And then you've got all the bad debt that's out there. Credit card debts. People say, should I have a credit card? If you have carried a balance on that credit card that you didn't pay off at the end of the month, in the last 12 months, you should not have a credit card. If you always pay that credit card off, it's not using you, you're using it, and all you're doing is putting money aside in a bank account to make a whopping amount of interest for 30 days and then you're paying that off after, you're paying no interest, then you're responsible, you can keep one. In every other case, I, I wouldn't have one because you are paying way too much for the use of that money if you're carrying the balance. Now, what about a car? And I told this story before, and I'll make it short, but over on Prince Edward Island, Shane, can you bring up, uh, I, had a, I had a need for a car, and I went for a fancy one. It's called a duck car. Uh, that was a uh, 1972 AMC Hornet. This was 1984. It was 12 years old. Does anyone in the room, now seriously, does anyone in the room that has use of a car or have a car have one that's newer than 12 years old? Raise your hand. Newer than 12 years old. Okay, quite a few hands. How many of you right now are driving a car as your main car that's over 12 years old, raise your hand, okay? One, two, three, four. Okay, let's go to 13 years. Keep your hand up. 13 years. 14 years. Okay, 14 years. Now, keep your hands up. I own a very successful financial company and without going into details, make God knows how much more money than I'm worth even in like in a day in an entire year. And the car that I drive on a regular basis right now, I put my hand up, is 14 years old. 14 years old. Put your hands down. Congratulations. Is it running okay? 22 years? Who's longer than 22 years? You want a book. Come and see me after. What's your name? Austin. Austin. 
Man, I love Austin already. So, <clears throat> so I was a church planter on Prince Edward Island. Anyone ever visited Island Wesleyan Church? I started that church in 1984 from no churches and no peoples and no anything. And God has continued to keep the doors open and it's been blessed and all that. But I went there and I had a family of five by now. It's 1984 and I needed a car. And so believe it or not, even though I had a family of five and I was a church planter and not making a whole lot of money, I went to several banks who would loan me money to buy a car. You could get a pretty nice car back then for $10,000 or $12,000. And I thought about that and said, ah, no. I'm going to pay cash for a car. And so I rallied up and I found $800. And I said, that's how much money I have to pay cash for a car. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I looked and I looked. And I came across the 12-year-old AMC Hornet. And the reason it's called the duck car is that by then I had two daughters who were old enough for like kindergarten and school and I would take them to school and when we would get near the school, Ginger would look at Amanda and say, duck. And they would ask me to let them off way before the school so nobody could see that that was the car that they were driving to school in. They were embarrassed at it. We have a great laugh today, but... That car was paid off, and and I'll make this story short because we're almost uh, out of me talk, and then we're going to have some questions, but um, that car actually lasted for about two years, and if you've ever been to Prince Edward Island, I was on my way visiting a family during the day. Preachers used to do that. They actually, like, visited their people that went to their churches, and, um, you know, visitation, and so I was visiting, and I was driving back to Crapo. What a name. Crapo PEI to the church, and I made it just past the entrance to Borden where it hits the main route, and all of a sudden the engine, they just started to smoke come out, and I mean, stuff was spraying all over the place, and this was no like shock to me. I knew that we were on our last legs. $400 a year it cost me to drive that car for the last two years, and this is no joke. There's no cell phones or anything at that time. And so I pulled off to the side of the road, got over as far as I could, pulled, not that there was any worthly possessions to take, but whatever there was in the car, I put them in my arms, got out, shut the door, and started walking for home. Some poor person felt sorry for me and picked me up and gave me a ride. It was only about 10 miles or so. I've never seen that car since. I, I've seriously can't make this stuff up. I've never seen the car since. I never went back to got it to get it. I went home and I knew that there were salvage yards that would actually they instead of paying them to take, they would actually pick it up, uh, sell what they could, haha, for parts, and they would tow it away. And I called them and got somebody to do that, and I've never seen it since. But I got every penny's worth. Of, I mean, it, I knew people had told me like seven months before this, that every day was, I was on borrowed time. So, I mean, there was nothing to go back to. There was no money to put into it, and it was gone. But let me tell you something. Since that day, and I'm a church planter, not, not a successful financial firm uh, owner and all that, for the next 10 to 12, no, 15 years, 
all I've ever done pretty well as a pastor uh, before I changed careers into the financial business was plant churches. I've never had a car loan. You can pay cash for cars. You just got to do what? We're not going to make you do it. You got to stand up, swallow your pride. But pretty soon, the next car was $2,200 because the two years that I um, was riding that, that I had paid cash, I would paid a car payment to myself. And back then, they actually gave interest to you. So instead of being charged interest to have a car payment, I paid myself interest into a bank account. They actually gave 5 or 6% interest on that money. So the money I put in, about $1,800, was $2,200 by the time. And so I used the bank's money to go pay cash for the next car. There's a novel idea, and guess what? There's not a person in here that can't do the same thing. But most of you won't. You won't. Because you say, you're weird. <laughs> yep. My wife and I were talking about that in the airport yesterday. We just decided we're, we're weird. We are. We're, we're different. But we're free. And we've been free all that time. And, you know, you can decide. Dave Ramsey said it himself. If you want to live like no one else, you've got to decide to live like no one else. It's exactly what you've got to do. And so, yep, weird. But you know what? My kids still love me. We still laugh about those days. We had lots of fun growing up. We had all kinds of family activities that hardly ever costed uh, uh, any money. And so, debt. And, and I'm going to take two minutes out of the question and answer just to finish with this. All these things that I've talked to you about today and that Shelley did a great job about budget and all that, all of that is so that you can be free and so that you can experience one of the greatest joys and gifts that God gives to us. Do you know what it is? The ability to give to other people. You know, God doesn't need our money. He could just take care of those people. He could just start handing out dollar bills and all that. Take care of everybody. Oh, we just pray and he would just do it. But you know what? He lets us participate in that. Isn't that a kick? I mean... That's just the coolest thing in the world that we get to give. And every year, just like I said, I want to make more money, it's so that I can give more money. Shane, in closing, is there the heart on there? And again, this is, don't take this wrong. This is not meant to be self-serving in any way. If you know me, you know that's not the case. So please try to pray and understand. But this is, some of the things that every single year we have all kinds of things that my wife and I sit down and say that if we can live on this much money this year and Pete, you'll keep driving that 14-year-old car, we can fill that thing up. I'll tell you, that is the funnest time of our life at the beginning of the year to set a goal of how many new things and then the old things that we can start giving to with that extra money because we're careful. And listen, this is, just, uh, this is just a sampling of a bunch of the things that are out there. I want that thing to get 10 times that size. If, that's, if this is your life, don't you want that to be the case? I mean, to receive something is one thing, but I'm telling you what, 
when you can give something to someone with no expectation of return, that is like the ultimate of all ultimate experiences. And God said, I'm going to let you guys, I don't need your money, but I'm going to let you have that satisfaction of knowing what that is. But, and I'll close with this. If you choose to make bad decisions of your money and you choose to just do it because everybody else is doing it, you know, getting these fancy things and all this kind of stuff, you're going to wrap yourself up and you're going to sit in church or at events. There's going to be someone there and there's going to be this little tug on your heart. He's like, man, they got a great cause. Bless you. I'd love, I'd love to be able to help with that cause. That really gets to me. But guess what? This chain, this stupid chain that I chose to wrap around myself, about 30 different wraps around, I can't do that. The fuzzy math just doesn't work out. I can't give more money away that I don't have that I can't afford to be without. And that's a tragedy. So this whole day, Kingswood, congratulations. Do you know there's major universities out there, they never do this for their students. Can, can you guys join me, and then we're going to have question and answer, in thanking Dr. Dave Smith and Brent and all these people. They, they, they have given you a gift today that you would not get in any university. This is one of the greatest gifts that you could possibly be given. So, Brent, where do we go now? We got a few minutes for questions? or? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's got to be Sabbath time. You, this, this body, this mind, your spirit, you, you've got to take some time. I will say that in my opinion, there are periods of my life that it hasn't been able to be a complete day, although I, you probably had a speaker in here that said you have to do that. Uh, that's obviously a goal to attain to, and I do do that now, and I think that's perfect. Um, I, just like I believe that God makes a way for us to live on 90%, if we give 10%, I believe that, um, you know, we, we can survive on, you know, we've we got to have 10%, we got to have some time that is, you know, renewing ourselves. Absolutely. You can't do it. 24 hours a day, seven days a week for very long. That, that's going to be a bad situation waiting to happen. So he brings up a good point. Uh, the problem is, and the reason we go to that extreme, you have to go to that extreme because people, that's usually not their problem. It's, it's usually the other problem in that there's too much wasted time. Um, so if you decide that that's something you really need to do, how about taking, tracking your week and looking at all the wasted 
30 minutes, an hour, whatever, all those things. Combine those together and make that half a day or all day or whatever your Sabbath time. You probably don't have to rob it from your work time. There's probably enough wasted time in there, but that's, that's just my idea. Yeah. Well, uh, that's, that's a hard question, too. Um, what about tithing when you're in debt? Um, you know, my personal opinion is that you, you know, if you, if you got in debt, you don't rob God to, you know, take care of what you made a choice to do. So I believe that you can tithe and continue to still make a concerted effort on that. And not that you do it for, I'm going to do this, knowing that God's going to do that, but I believe that he rewards that faithfulness and will make things happen with that debt that if you put 100% into it, you couldn't do. That's what I believe. That's what I've experienced. Tithing-wise, too, this is something I just want to know. Um, tithing on net versus uh, just give me like what, what would you tithe, tithe on total income or at pre-taxes or post-taxes is the question that you will everyone will have to deal with at some point sure uh, i don't think either is a wrong answer if you feel like you've honored god and you've been faithful and you give the net and not the gross and in your spirit you feel then i don't think there's enough specific information there that one person can be right and the other wrong here's what i will tell you if you are trying to just give the net because you're trying to get away with giving more, then I think that answers your question. You've already answered it for yourself. You need to give on the gross because what you're trying to do is get away with as little as possible. You can tithe just on the net and not have that attitude, but chances are, if that's what you're doing, you got, there's an issue. Go ahead. is uh, let's, this seems so hopeless with student loans and debts that sometimes there's a strategy out there to plan to go bankrupt hmm. in four or five years and that'll erase it all and just go on. And I just wondered if you have any um, information from your professional experience that would share with this group what that would look like if a person employed that strategy. That, that's an absolutely horrible strategy. Now, that said, if your family has ever gone through bankruptcy or you ever have to, then there are legitimate reasons and people that that happens to that literally do everything right and it still happened, okay? It, it's kind of like the person that, that you know, they, they, they work out and they try to be as healthy as they can and they eat right and whatever and, and they get cancer. It's like they did everything they knew to do and the worst happened anyway. Bankruptcy is not a, 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 you know, a choice or a way out or an angle or a whatever. I mean, think of it. When you take on debt, you are, in essence, you are looking a person like Zach. You're the guy who lent me this money. I'm looking you in the eye... When you take that money from him, you hand me that money, 
I'm looking you in the eye and I'm giving you my word. And there's almost nothing more valuable in life than your word that some way or another, no matter what it takes, me last, you first, I'm paying you every bit of this back. I tell you, you almost can't. I mean, it's like standing at the marriage altar making a commitment to someone for life. It's that kind of a commitment that you, you are giving me this money and I am giving you my word that I am going to pay that back. Then bankruptcy, I mean, again, it happens and it's going to happen and you shouldn't, you know, think your life is over because it did, but that is certainly not like you don't sit down with a piece of paper and just kind of option things off and say, well, that seems like, the, the best of it. That's like the worst, last ditch, you know, just horrible outcome. So it, it's not really an option, but it, it might have to happen. Is there one more quick question before we head out? Is there any more questions? Someone that's really dying to ask one? All right. Well, um, like we said, as we're finishing up here, there are still about six more slots at least for people to financially like, get counseling from Ivan, um, Pete Benson, who's literally in from Nashville, only here for a couple of days, this is your one chance, and Shelly. And so they're half-hour slots. Even if you don't fill up the whole slot, uh, there shouldn't be any blank slots. You really should take advantage of that. Whatever year, whether you're wanting to plan or advance or just doing that, they're not there to shame you. They're there to really help coach you in that. So Alicia's right there in the middle of the hands. Make sure you see her about that as we go. Um, thank you so much for what you do, and, and even respecting the other um, teachers and everything here. We really value everything you do, Pete. Would you pray for us as we go from this place? God, thank you for every person that's here. You brought them here to Kingswood. They are not here by chance or by accident. They are here by divine appointment, and you want them here. God, give them a spirit of encouragement, not discouragement right now. This is meant to be helpful. Sometimes hard teaching and and discipline, it's hard. But God, it's for our good. And it's only because we love every single student that's here. If we don't know them by name, we still love them because they've made a commitment to come to this university and they have their whole life ahead of them. And God, you have amazing things in store for them. We just want them to be able to minister with unbelievably, unbelievable freedom. The ability to make choices not have to be based on bad money decisions of the past. So wanting to protect them, God, from that. Lord, supply every need. There's people here right now, and they're saying, I don't know if I can stay here for another week. I don't know how I'm going to finish this semester. I don't know how I'm going to come back next year. God, make a way. God, do a miracle. Supply for them because of their faithfulness. Thank you for every professor and every person that works at this university. Wow, what a great experience. What a great opportunity. What a life-changing place that these students are a part of. They are indeed blessed beyond measure. And I pray to everything that has been said and done this morning that it would be most of all and ultimately for your glory, Jesus. Your glory and your praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.